What's up guys, welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, May 2nd. As always, we're presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski, and we have now Truman Karcheski back. Hello guys, it's last day of school. Last day of school, so I mean, like I said on Tuesday's show, this is probably going to be the normal setup uh, for the time being in the future. Because I don't, I mean, I don't think we, I mean, we're living together next year, so I don't think we're going to have any issues next year. Um, and we'll obviously probably have a third guest pretty much consistently, but from the time being, there'll be no more solo shows. I mean, we'll be, I mean, the only thing I could see is the work thing, but we'll figure that all out. But yeah, we'll I figure will be back out. for most of the shows now, and that's all that matters. Yeah, but again, no more solo shows. Uh, it was a little bit difficult at times, but we grind through it, we got it done, and now we are at summer 2k19 we're ringing in the summer with a fantastic show for you today we have tons of topics to talk about tons of sports tons of uh different things to get to so we won't waste any more of your time and we'll just roll right into it let's go with the nba let's start with the nba playoffs four amazing series right now we're going to go series by series give a line about each one get truman's thoughts on some of them um and we'll start with probably the best series, Warriors versus Rockets. Warriors are up 2-0 right now. They won on, when was that, Wednesday night? No, Tuesday night. Um, and in that game, you know, a lot of heat was coming around around that game basically because of the refs. Scott Foster was officiating that game. James Harden's comments after game one. Basically, a lot of people were waiting to see what he was going to do. And in this game, he did not show up. Harden's game has basically, you know, relied around drawing fouls and shooting threes. And when he can't get fouls, all he has to rely on is threes. And he's not um, an amazing three-point shooter. He's a good three-point shooter, but he's not the best. And when he can't get the fouls, his game starts to fall away. He really becomes that less of a threat than what he is in the regular season. Yeah, I just think Golden State's just a whole nother level, um, you know, than Houston. Kevin Durant, but when these te- when these two teams play, you can just tell right away. Kevin Durant's the difference. Uh, Houston does not have a Kevin Durant at all, and um, I think that's the difference in the series. Kevin Durant's just been one of the best players in the playoffs, if not the best player in the playoffs so far. I mean, towards the end of that uh, Clippers series, he was averaging forty points a game or something like that. He's so. the best player in the NBA. I mean, I'm I'm a big Giannis guy, and I'll always defend There's Giannis. There's nobody in the NBA who has his size and can shoot the way he can shoot. And he is top three shooter in the NBA, and he's seven feet tall. Listen, I, I mean, I think I will defend Kevin Durant till I can't anymore. Um, I like the guy. I like the player. Uh, but I just think um, he's the difference in this series, and he's wise. why Golden State's going to go on to probably their fourth or fifth straight finals, whatever it is, and um, you know take on whoever wins the East, which hopefully my Bucks. But we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I just think Kevin Durant's the difference in this series. Like you said, uh, they're just not giving Houston the calls they want, but I don't think it's as unfair as Houston is making it out to be. Uh, you know, I, I'll you know we'll always complain about the refs. I mean, I will I will always think the refs are for Boston and the Bucks series, and Warriors fans will always think the refs are towards Houston. It's just it's the way it goes. Um, you know, you can't you just it happens in every single series, um, and every fan thinks the refs against them. Uh, so I just. You know, I, I don't want to hear it anymore from the Houston fans. Um, you know, I know it's annoying to see Golden State win, but let's be honest, you know, I saw some calls that could have gone for Golden State that didn't go. 
Uh, but so I'm I'm not gonna sit here and defend the Rockets for you know complaining about the refs because you know in our lifetime I've seen some bad calls go against my teams. But um, you know we're not gonna. Hear it's talk different about with that. the Raptors. I mean not the Raptors with the Rockets because every single time they look for a foul because what Harden does is he shoots a three and then he jackknifes his legs out to try to get a foul call with the landing spot thing. So I think the landing spot thing is like the dumbest rule in the NBA. Um, it's so easy to fake. It's so easy to flop. I mean, t- do you fall? The way you fall, do you fall, like, with your legs out, kicked out? No. no. Yeah, it's dumb, but that's the and way. And the last five years, Harden's led the league in free throw attempts, and the second closest guy is DeMar DeRozan. Which, like, he's at 3,000. Uh, James Harden's at, like, 4,000. Yeah, I think it's BS why he's complaining about the refs and everything like that because – he obviously gets all the calls, you know what I mean? Like, he, he has so many free throw attempts, uh, so I don't want to hear him complaining about the refs uh, at all. But, you know, it's just the way of the game. It's the way she goes, and, like, you can't, you can't like, uh, complain about the refs every single time that something doesn't go your way because, like I said, I'm always going to think the refs are for Boston. The Boston fans are always going to think the refs are for Milwaukee. It's just every single series, every single sport, the refs are never for your team, and you're just going to have to get over that. Yeah, and I think the NBA sent a message uh, in Game 2 putting Scott Foster as the uh, official there, somebody who the Rockets absolutely hate. And they weren't really a factor in Game 2. I think the only thing was Draymond Green's technical foul, but that was taken away, so no more worries with that. They rescinded that. Um, I I don't want to believe it's going to be a sweep, but there's been nothing in these first couple of games that's shown me that it's not going to be. Uh, I think the Warriors have shown us that they're still the best team in the NBA. All doubts that were brought up during the Clippers series have been erased, in my opinion. Uh, and I think I think the Rockets are overrated. I've always thought that, and I think they'll end up sweeping this series. But again, they're going. It's going back to Houston. It's hard to win on the road, so we'll see. I think it's going to be a five or six game uh, Warrior win. Um, you know, definitely Houston. I definitely think Houston will get one more, or at least one. I mean, um, you know, possibly two. Uh, like you said, it's hard hard to win on the road in the playoffs. Uh, so I'll, I'll give Houston a couple games, but Kevin Durant's a difference maker, and I'll always say that. All right, we'll go to the next series: Bucks versus Celtics. Bucks fought back after a pretty bad game. Oh, you gotta be honest, that was a rough game one there in Milwaukee. Yeah, oh, that was a horrible rough game. game one. Tied it up though; it's at one to one right now. Uh, I guess I'll just let you take it away. Yeah, I just think, like you said, game one was insanely horrible. I mean, they did everything right to stop Giannis. Um, you know, I told my roommate the other day, I think the only player in the NBA who can really match up with Giannis physically is Al Horford because he's just a strong guy. You know, obviously he's not as mobile, he's not as you know agile as Giannis, not even close, but his strength can match up with Giannis in the hole and give it some trouble. Um, so, you know, that's always a tough matchup. Uh, you know, he always gives Giannis trouble. Uh, as far as driving but you know you saw in game one they just crowded the hole made it really tough for Giannis to drive which is obviously Giannis's strength uh, Giannis gets his money earned his MVP got everything down low driving Boston did everything in game one to stop that they got physical with him they put bodies down there they made it impossible for Giannis to get down there so Giannis had to use the kick the kick the pass out you know to Eric Bledsoe Pat Connaughton you know, Chris Milton, whatever it was, and they weren't knocking down shots. I mean, Eric Bledsoe had six points. Uh, you know, you know, Sterling Brown didn't make anything. You know, he got benched for Nikola Mirotic. 
you know, you just look at that game one, people weren't making their shots. And when you play a team again like Boston, who's got a great coach, great players, physical players, and they can match up with Giannis physically, you need your guys to make shots. In game two, that completely flipped. Bledsoe had some nice shots. Middleton was going off. Uh, Nikola Mirotic made a few that were really nice. Uh, Brooke Lopez wasn't, you know, airballing everything like he was game one. Uh, so that you saw it completely flip. You have to completely realize that this series is going to be very good, and I think it's going to be a seven-game series. Uh, but when Milwaukee makes their shots, Eric Bledsoe makes his shots, Chris Middleton makes his shots, Sterling Brown makes his shots, I don't think there's anybody who can beat us. But that's consistently if they make their shots. In my opinion, Kyrie won't disappear like that again. He had nine points. In and game. I don't think Eric Bledsoe will go six points again. And I don't think the Bucks will shoot like that again. They weren't. They were shooting like they normally do. No, I don't. Believe, I think they were shooting out of their minds in that game. They weren't. And that's I that's think, normal Milwaukee basketball. And like I said, I don't think Kyrie will ever disappear like that again. You have to agree. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He's not going to get nine points. Again. Okay, and I don't think Giannis will pull what he did game one again. Oh, we'll see what happens again. It's going to be a good series, though. I think it's probably going to be. Uh, I maybe a Blazers Nuggets could be tighter, but I think this goes six or seven. Uh, Bucks are going to have to steal one on the road, obviously. The difference is I think it's going to go seven games, and that seventh game is going to be Milwaukee. And that's where I completely will be biased as hell in saying that, you know, they have, I think we have one of the best fan bases in the league. Didn't one, work game one, though. One of the best, you know, crowds. I mean, Boston's never loud. Boston's always loud. Boston's got, Boston's got a ten times better fan Boston's base than you guys. Boston's got the worst most overrated playoff crowd in you all You could say sports. that about any sport. Any Look team. at the Bruins games. Bruins, that's Bruins. That's hockey. This is basketball. Yeah, and well, I, the don't, I don't see a, that much of a difference. In, the Celtics I, have a way stronger fan base than the Bucs. Nobody would disagree. disagree with I that. Dis- well, well, yeah, because you're a Bucs fan. Uh, but I just think Game 7 in Milwaukee, uh, the intensity will be brought. That's why I think the Bucs will be moving on. All right, we'll go to uh, Blazers versus Nuggets, the only game that was last night. Uh, the Blazers fought back. It was a pretty ugly game. Uh, I think it was like 97-90. to 90. CJ McCollum stepped up, was that number two, picked up where Lillard sort of struggled yesterday. Um, and they were able to pick up a pretty good win there versus the Nuggets, which was huge, again, on the road. Uh, I love the Blazers. I think Damian Lillard, this is his coming out party so far this season, this playoffs, and... He went down a little bit last game, but again, their second you know guy, their second piece, CJ McCollum, stepped up in a big way with 20 points. That was huge. Uh, I think this series is not going to be as good as Bucks versus Celtics, but I think this will go six or seven just because I think both teams are evenly matched enough. When Jokic is Jokic, joke whatever his name <laughs> is, when he's the best that he can be, he's unstoppable. But I just don't think he'll do that every single game. And you saw it last night. He struggled. I think that um, the difference in the series, like you said, Jokic, I don't know why you said Jokic. Jokic, it's the same thing. Um, is Ennis Cantor on him. Uh, Ennis Cantor is not a great defender at all. He's got some good offensive talent, and, you know, he's a scrappy player, but he's not a good defender at all. And I think uh, when he has to guard Jokic, it's a complete mismatch. And that's why I think the Nuggets could win this series in six or seven games. Now, Damian Lillard is an absolute god. I mean, he is an absolute baller, and I think he's one of the most underrated players in the game. I think he's one of the best players in the game, in my opinion. I think you could argue, you know, top seven, top six player in the game. 
you know, he's just making a name for himself. He's very, very clutch, um, and he can put the Blazers on his back whenever needed. That's the Blazers' chance, in my opinion. Uh, they got some good players around him, but if Damian Lillard takes off, the Blazers will win this series. But I just think Jokic, Murray, you know, a well-coached Nuggets team will win this series six or seven games. All right, uh, last series, 76ers versus Raptors. That's tonight in Philadelphia. The series moves back to Philadelphia. I think the key to this series, I've talked about it before, if all four of the 76ers stars play well, that they're unstoppable. I think they're one of the best teams in the league when they play well. The problem is they're so inconsistent that it's almost sad because some nights a guy's hurt, some night a guy just takes a night off, and it just doesn't work. But when Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler are all playing at the top of their game, this is one of the best teams in the NBA. And then obviously you got the Raptors on their side, uh, with Siakam, I think Siakam's emerged as one of the best number twos in the league behind Kawhi. Uh, he's a huge help for them. They didn't show out, though, in game two. The Raptors played really well game one, but then the 76ers fought back. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Philadelphia is a pretty good crowd, pretty rowdy crowd. Uh, what the Raptors do, I think the 76ers end up beating this team, though, and taking it for five, five to six games. Um, I disagree. I think the Raptors are the better team here. Um, I think that Kawhi is talent-wise. The 76ers are the better team, but in terms consistency, of consistency, they just can't play well. The Raptors are more consistent, and I think that that's the key to the series. If Jimmy Butler goes for 30 points every single game, like he did Game Two, 76ers should win this series. But I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to take over like he did. And I think Kawhi Leonard and Siakam is a great one-two. I think that, you know, if they steal one in Philly, you know, and they go back to Toronto or whatever, 2-2 or whatever, I think that, you know, uh, Toronto will eventually prevail. And I think this is a six or seven game series, though, as well. All right, let's move on to football. Let's get out of bass. Basketball's fun, but it's it's nothing compared to football. Even in the offseason, I think football trumps basketball. But before that we got to talk about another business that trumps other businesses, and that's these Home Cuts. these Home Cuts is slicing the competition around the area, uh, slicing all of the haircut places around Northeast Ohio just because for $7, you can find the cheapest and best haircut around Northeast Ohio. Me, Truman, and about 90% of the guests we've had in the show have gotten their haircut at D's uh, at least once or their lifetime uh, clients. Check him out on Instagram at D's Home Cuts. Find videos of all the cuts he's done uh, and send him a DM if you want to get scheduled for a cut. Summertime's coming up. Uh, you're going to want to look your best. And I think D's Home Cuts is the best place to get that done. So go ahead and check him out on Instagram at D's Home Cuts. Check out his YouTube page while you're poking around there too. Uh, he's helping a lot of young college kids lose weight as you watch his weight loss uh, vlog videos. So go ahead and check him out. D's Home Cuts, and then his YouTube page is Unlimited Dom. Uh, so go ahead and check him out. Football time now. Uh, probably the best thing to talk about, right, we'll start with the Monday Night Football crew. They have figured it out. They're not adding anybody. They're just going to keep it the same without Jason Witten. They're going to move Booger to the booth um, and keep Joe Tessitore. I really wanted, like, Peyton Manning. I think Peyton Manning would have been a lot of fun. I don't. I think. I don't think Booger and Tessitore are that bad. I just think they're going to get a lot better without Jason Witten around. I don't know. I just think Booger McFarland's kind of stupid. Do you know how hard um, it is though to like keep an entertaining thing going when you have like a dead person in like next? Well, to you? you know, I liked Witten. 
Yeah. So I'm probably like the only person in America who thought Witten was a good announcer. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just felt like they could have done better. I mean, it's Monday Night Football. It's like the f- everybody's favorite night of the week. You should sit down and watch football. You're telling me that you couldn't have got like a... An, when John Gruden was there is... You know, I will always remember that. I mean, that that was just absolutely electric. Obviously, you can't have that anymore as he's the coach of the Raiders. But, you know, I just think they need to find another John Gruden. Peyton Manning would have been perfect. Uh, but, obviously, I think he turned it down. And, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I'd like Brett Favre. But I don't think Brett Favre would want to do no, that. He's, he's good <laughs> on his farm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just think they need to find someone who is a likable person, someone who... Everyone loves, and but I mean, we'll see what Burger can do. Now he's in the main spotlight. But like Testator's got a big, big game voice, and I think Booger is—he brings some good analysis to the booth. But you go from Trico to, and Trico and Gruden to Testator and McFarland—that's a downgrade. Tarico. Tarico. Yeah, you're but, a jacket over here. Yeah, but Witten. I mean, I I keep forgetting that Witten's in the NFL again. I keep forgetting he's coming back. Um, but I just—I don't know—he was kind of a dead person to me in the booth. I mean, he had some good insight, but his voice was just very monotoned, and he was very boring, and I think that brought down Booger and Tessator's ability to call a game, and I think now with him gone, I think they'll get better. But we'll see, we'll I see. guess. Jamal Charles, one of the be- game's best running backs, has retired from the NFL after about 10 years. Four poor Pro Bowls. Uh, I think his career could be summed up by injuries he had a couple acl tears which killed him but for my childhood there was not a better running back than jamal charles when he was at the top of his game i remember 2010 he was absolutely insane easily the best running back in the nfl i mean i when i look back on my childhood and i think of good running backs i think of like ladanian tomlinson and jamal charles is probably the second or third guy that pops up in my head uh, if it wasn't for injuries, he would have been a surefire Hall of Famer. But he's 56 in the all-time rushing list. I don't really think he gets in. I know there's some people advocating for him, but Jamal Charles was he, he was fun. I mean, for a certain amount of time. And if he would have been healthy, I think he would have been a lot more well-known and a lot more of a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, I like Jamal Charles a lot. I mean, I loved his time in Kansas City. Uh, I, you know, Did you like, see his handoff yesterday? Took one last handoff yeah, from Pat that Mahomes. Cool. That was cool. Even though Pat Mahomes wasn't his quarterback. But, but he never really had a quarterback. Um, that's true. I would have liked to see him win more, but uh, I think Jamal – and stay healthy, but I think Jamal Charles is always going to be one of my favorite running backs. He I, always – he like did the no-glove thing, which was weird to me. Yeah, sometimes he did. I liked that a lot. I don't like no-gloves. I, I think, thought it was cool. I think it's, it looks weird. It looks awkward. Um, but then he had that dreads coming out the back with that red Chiefs jersey, the 25. He was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he definitely was. All right, um, let's move on now to Greedy Williams. Uh, Greedy Williams said in his draft interview that you will see the Browns in the Super Bowl next year. Does this piss you off as an NFL fan? Yeah, because he has no room to talk. One, Terrence Mitchell's a good corner. And Greedy Williams is going to have to compete with him. That's true. Um, Terrence Mitchell, possible guest option that turned us down. Don't forget that. Yeah, but at the same time, like he's a good corner. He's scrappy. Why does Greedy Williams think he's like automatically going in there as like the number one, number two guy? Like, calm down. You haven't played a snap. You haven't even been in like a, tr- a practice yet. Like, you need to chill out, relax, sit down. 
I There's think, a reason you fell to the second yeah, round. and I think that's because the spotlight was on him in the draft process. And by saying this, I think it puts the spotlight back on him again. I think we're all going to be watching him now and how he plays. And like I said, the last time spotlight was on Greedy Williams, it did not work out for him. It did not work out that well. And uh, he fell to the second round when he should have been a top 10 pick based on talent alone. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just uh, I I will definitely be pulling against Greedy Williams. Yeah, I mean, I like I said it. I get your thoughts on this. I said John Dorsey's draft strategy, basically, like he drafts well. He picks good talent, but the reason why he picks good talent is because he takes risks on players that nobody else wants to touch. I mean, like Greedy Williams was kind of like that, but like I look back at like Antonio Callaway, uh, uh, Tyree Hill, and Hunt. sometimes it pans out. Sometimes it works out Mac well. Mac Wilson, even they got Mac Wilson. He's a character as well. Yeah, sometimes it pans out. Sometimes you get a guy like you know Antonio Callaway had a good year and he looks like he's turning it around. Yeah, but then you've also built disasters like Tyree Kill in Kansas City. Yeah, and but John Dorsey gets cut, and gets fired, so he doesn't have to deal with the disasters that's going on right now in Kansas City. Um, he's somebody who, like Coward was saying yesterday, what John Dorsey's doing in Cleveland is he's just collecting talent, it seems like. And he's not, like, you got to build a team. Like, it's fun to collect talent, and collecting all these pieces, these fun, flashy pieces, it's fun. But when you get them in a group, they need somebody who's going to, me- like, mesh them together to create a team. And when you take a first-year head coach like Freddie Kitchens, it's going to be tough. And you got a lot of big personalities now in that locker room. Personally, that's why I think they should have hired Greg Williams. Because Greg Williams is someone who looks like he can contain that type of mentality and like he can build and mesh a team because he doesn't put up absolutely anything. No. And not saying that Freddie Kitchens doesn't do that, but Freddie Kitchens is a first-year head coach who a lot of people don't think was is ready for it personally. Uh, but, you know, I just think that Greg Williams should have been the guy there because you saw what he did and the way he was able to contain players. Uh, but we'll see what Freddie Kitchens can do. Yeah, and I just think... Like I said, they're just collecting talent, it seems like. Like, on, on paper, this team is one of the best teams in the NFL. But when they start the year, like, let's say 1-3 and three or something like that, because they have a lot of hard games early on in the season, and, you know, they ask for the primetime games, and they're getting them now. When they start the season 2-2, two and 1-3 two, uh, and three or something like that, and Odell's complaining because he's not getting enough balls, and then next thing you know... Uh, Terrence Mitchell and Greedy Williams are fighting over who gets the starting spot. All this stuff starts to come out. Is Freddie Kitchens the guy who's going to be able to handle it? We, you, know, you need somebody who's experienced. You got Steve Wilkes on the staff, but I mean, he's not a guy who's going to. Obviously, he had trouble with that last year. Even you know, being a head coach for one year and getting fired. Obviously, there was some issues there. Yeah, and I think uh, it's just going to be interesting. I don't know. I think a lot of Browns fans are. Talking to self, I get why Browns fans are acting like this. Because if you haven't won for your entire life, and then they finally start to collect talent, it's just, you know, it's it's fun. I get it. But, I don't know. I would kind of be weary of taking guys like Greedy Williams who are going to, like, talk about this in the press, acting like he's already have already has a starting spot locked down when there's a lot more guys there who have played a lot more snaps in the NFL. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but... I mean, yeah, we're rooting for Terrence Mitchell, but I mean, he did stand us up for an interview. That's so. all right. We're still pulling for him. Yeah. So I, I'm, I don't know about that for me, but we'll see what happens. I, I just don't think he should have said that. Now the spotlight's on him. Um, 
Speaking about Spotlight, next year 2020 NFL Draft is coming out. The odds were released for the first round pick, first overall pick. And I don't think it's a surprise that Tua is the favorite to be the number one overall pick next year. So we're going to go through. I got about five guys here who I think could be drafted into the top ten. We're going to do a way too early look at the top 20 2020 NFL Draft prospects. And we'll start with that quarterback class because that's where you start almost every single year. Three guys now, uh, Tua, Justin Herbert from Oregon, and from, uh, what's Fromm's first name? Jake. Jake, Jake Fromm from uh, Georgia. Those are going to be the three guys. Whether However you rank them, that's how it's going to be. And you're going to see all next year through February, March, April, you're going to see NFL draft analysts try to rank these guys. And there's going to be talk about who's going to be the number one pick. I don't think Tua is going to be the number one pick. I think he's flashy. I think he's Deshaun Watson. And I think he'll just be this type of guy who has a decent year beating up on the bad teams. But you've seen when he goes against good teams, he sort of falls apart. I think that's going to be a red flag for him. I don't know. I like Tua. Uh, I like Herbert a lot. I think that Tua's just got to stay healthy. He's got to prove that he can just not like last on that ankle for an entire year. Um, you know, I just, I think Tua could be a clear shot, number one pick, uh, but it just depends on who as well. Like, like everyone's like Miami, 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 but are they, is like Rosen going to get that done to him again? Um, you know, or Rose, can Rosen win, win some games to, that would you know, be so keep funny off if Rosen gets traded again? I feel bad for the guy, but well, you say he's a bust. I think he's sure? a bust, but I'm pulling for him at this okay, point. Okay. Well then he's not um, a bust. I don't know. I just think if Rosen can win enough games to keep, he's really got the pressure on him. Because if he can win enough games to keep them from getting the number one pick or top five or whatever, then he'll be good. But, but then he, it just comes down to who needs a quarterback in the league. I think Cincinnati is going to be in the quarter mark, quarterback market here soon. Um, I think Oakland could be a team that is on the edge. Um, I think of it's quarterback be, market. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Titans. One of those teams are going to be looking hard because they're going to decline the option on. Either Jameis or Mariota, depending on how the year goes. Yeah, I agree. Um, those two teams are teams to watch, and like I, I think you agree. You would agree with me at Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Andy Dalton experiment is sort of becoming stale in the entire eyes. of And everybody. then you look at teams like with older quarterbacks, um, Chargers. Chargers. But Phil, I mean, Philip Rivers is still slinging it. I don't think you got to waste that big. Yeah. Big. And then, you know, Green Bay. I'm not going to say that Aaron Rodgers is even close to retiring. No, but we're uh, Trevor Lawrence 2021. Yeah, I'd like that. Uh, the Patriots just got Jared Stidham. Is he the answer? Nobody knows. You know, so it just depends on who the quarterback market's going to be next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be something to watch for. Um, you know, I remember, like, we were watching the draft, and Dom was talking about it. He said, like, oh, what do we do now? Every team has a quarterback. Which is like, yeah, on paper, but once we see the season play out and like injuries happen, all this stuff, you'll see teams that, uh, you know, their quarterback issue is pretty glaring. I mean, we, we thought at the beginning of last year that like the Redskins had at least had a quarterback for the next couple of years. But then, you know, freak injury with Alex Smith happened, and next thing you know, they have Josh Johnson and Mark Sanchez starting meaningful games for them. So things can happen, things can change really quickly. And these three guys will easily be on the top of everybody's draft board come uh, April next year. For sure. Two guys then, two non-quarterback 
I think Ohio State's always got a prospect in the top five, and they have it again this year with Chase Young, a uh, fantastic young pass rusher. He's going to have a big season for Ohio State. Uh, no more Bosa is going to be around him, so he's going to be facing a lot more double teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces from that. Um, but he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the strength to be a top five pick, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I think he'll be a top five team that you know already has a quarterback like the 49ers this year. We'll see what happens. But then the other guy is LSU safety Grant Delpit. He is basically, from what I read online, he, they think he is going to be one of the best defensive backs in the country, and he's basically Josh Adams. Uh, uh, Jamal Jamal Adams. I'm off today. Jamal Adams 2.0. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the speed to cover the entire length of the field and go up on on the last scrimmage and make a hit. So I think he'll be a top five pick. So that's probably going to be your five, your big board there. Jerry Judy, too. Jerry Judy. The wide receiver class is stacked next year. That's good for the Packers. That's good for Well, we got Jamal Moore. He's fine. Yeah. Um, but that's it for that. That's it for all the prospects there. Um, so we'll keep watch on that, though. As the season goes, you know, you look, Greedy Williams would have been in our 2019 top prospect list, but he fell after last season. And I think a lot of guys fell, too. Like Greg Little from Old Miss, he was going to be a top 15 pick. He fell. Um, and things could change. So we'll see what happens there. Let's go to baseball. Let's, it's Thursday. And what do we do on Thursdays, Sherman, with baseball? Let's go through the standings. We go through the standings. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's go ahead and check in on some of our favorite teams here. Um, let me pull it up real quickly here. First month of baseball is over. Uh, so you can start to kind of get a view of where teams are, where they rank. Uh, I think the famous line is you have to wait for Memorial Day before you can really tell. But a month through the season is a pretty good sample size to where you can start to get an idea of where teams are and where they are going. We'll start with the American League. American League East. The Rays have the best record in baseball right now, I believe. And, yes, no, they don't. The Cardinals do, actually. Um, but they have the second best record, first best record in the AL. They're 19-11 right now. The Yankees are breathing up on their heels, though, two games back. Meanwhile... The Red Sox, they're floundering right now. They're still in fourth place, although they have won three in a row, so they are sort of charging, but they are still five and a half games back from first. It's early, but still, Red Sox are concerning. That bullpen is really uh, a scary thing to see if you're a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are an interesting team, but they're like one of those teams that I think is going to just pick it up. Yeah, I mean, it was the talent. I'm not gonna sit here and think that they they got Mookie Betts. They're gonna be fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that the Red Sox are gonna be like a. I think they'll be in the playoffs. Um, the Yankees are interesting because they're winning still, and they are like absolutely devastated by injuries right now. Yeah, I mean, Stanton's hurt. Uh, Judge is hurt. I mean, you could just go down line. Gary Sanchez is hurt. And they're still, like, they're right there. I mean, the... The, uh, the interesting thing is going to be, can the Rays withstand? Can the Rays hold off the Red Sox and Yankees? That and pitching the small staff market Rays is good. Hold back the Yankees and Red Sox. If the Rays take that division, then you're looking at the interesting uh, scenario of a possible, in my opinion, if the Red Sox really, really pick it up, like, what if the Yankees and Red Sox were a wild card game? That would be... 
insane. Very, well, they did No, what was the last year? They had a series last year. Yeah, they had a series. But just like a one game in New York or Boston. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll go to the AL Central. The Twins are leading that division. Uh, Indians are right there, two games back from the Twins. They lost last night. And, you know, they lost last night, but I don't think any fans care about that. I think what fans care about the most is Corey Kluber. Uh, he got hit on a, by a pitch yesterday that ricocheted back, and he put his arms out to try to block it, hit him directly in the arms, and now it comes out that he actually broke his arm, and he'll be out for a couple months. That is really scary to come out of my mouth as an Indians fan. But we do have Clevenger still on the shelf right now, but he is coming back, I guess, soon. Um, I know we reported that he was going to be out maybe to September. That was like the early, like the latest I've seen. But are there reports now that he could be back by June? He said yesterday that he started throwing already, and he's pitching at about, uh, I think he said 80%. And if he could, if he really wanted to, he feels like he could easily throw 100% right now. But they stuck him with that 60-day DL, uh, not DL, injured list tag. Um, so he can't come back, I think, till June. But when he comes back, that's going to be a huge help. But with Corey Kluber out for a couple of months, I think signing a guy like Keuchel could make some sense for the Indians. They don't have any left-handed starters, and they could really use a fifth guy now uh, with Kluber going on the shelf for a couple months. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, that's a big that's a big loss. You're not going to sit here and tell me it's I not. I mean, he has, he has like a 6 ERA right now. He's been playing pretty bad. Yeah, but, I mean, that's still Corey Kluber. Um, you know, that's still your guy. That's still your ace. Uh, I know you guys have a deep, deep rotation, you know, as far as talent goes. Yeah, we do. But um, We do. Great, but you lost your best one. No, he's not um, our best one. Bauer's our best one. I think Corey Kluber, you know, he's been one of the premier pitchers in the league. Yeah, he's had a tough, tough start to his season, but still there was – I, I mean, I would not have doubted him, you know, just going off, um, picking himself up right away. Uh, so it's it's going to hurt, but, you know, like you said, if they added a guy like Keigel, that would make a lot of sense um, for them. But overall, I just think, um, you know, I'm not going to say – I really don't want to argue with you right now. But, like, the Twins, you know, they're playing good. Uh, but the Twins have not proven – they are not a proven team yet at all because they're still the Minnesota Twins. I think you'd agree. So I think that – the this is not really going to be no. a concern. Like, I still think the Indians will win the division. I'll yeah, I mean, we just, got, we just got Lindor back. Kipnis is still getting in the swing of things. Carlos Gonzalez is slowly finding his stroke. This team's coming together. And we still have a guy like Bradley Zimmer. He's still, you know, almost on his way back here from injury. And Clevenger, you know what he said yesterday, Chairman? He said when he gets back, he's going to be consistently throwing 100 miles per hour. Let's see it. You, let's see it. Yeah, we're going to be seeing see it. it in a couple of weeks let's here. Let's see it. Uh, so that's going to be pretty scary for you. Um, go to the AL West, though. Houston Astros are leading that division by a game. Right behind them is the Mariners, uh, who have lost four straight. Mariners' hottest team coming out of baseball, and they have slowly come back to form, which is where I think the Twins will do as well. Because, I mean, I think the Twins lead the league in home runs right now. Then it's if the you think the Rays will come back to Rays form. I I think the Rays are better. I think the Rays are actually a good team. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bunch of weird things in the AL. Like the Mariners and the Twins, they relied all pretty much all of their runs based on home runs. And like, yeah, that's fun, but it's not consistent. You're not gonna hit the the crap out of the ball for all. Especially because you got different parks. Some are hitter parks. Some are pitcher parks. So it just depends on where you're playing, really. Excuse all right, me. let's go to the National League. You want to go to the National League, Trim? Let's go. All right, we'll go to the NL East, 
where the uh, Phillies still lead in first place there. Braves are right behind them with two games as well. The Mets, they're right there with two games. Phillies continue to do their thing. Um, pitching is good. It's not great, but that lineup with Bryce Harper, I mean, Bryce Harper's a beast. I think everybody can agree. Hoskins has turned into one of the best players in the MLB right now. I believe he's batting. Let me see here. Um... He's batting 278 right now, uh, so that's not great, but it's not terrible. But everybody else is pretty much hitting the crap out of the ball right now. Uh, so yeah, Philly's still at first place, but it's a tight division. I think this will be the tightest division uh, for the entire season. Yeah, definitely. I think the Mets, Braves, Phillies, they're all going to get on the wire. Uh, obviously, the Phillies just... Now you they can even throw the Nationals in there, too. Yeah, you really can. Um, that whole division is you know talented, and they all give each other trouble no matter what. Uh, you know, I just think the Phillies, they got that star power now with Bryce Harper. They got that Bryce Harper swagger. Uh, so I think the Phillies will eventually prevail. But I, I do not sleep on the Braves at all. I love the Braves. I think they're, you know, one of my favorite teams outside the Brewers. Um, but, you know, I just think that this year just seems like a Phillies year for, you know, winning that division. All right. You want to go to the NL Central? Sure. You want to check in on your Brewers there? Sure. All right, let me go through here. Let me f try to see where the – oh, wait, where are the Brewers? I keep scrolling down. Oh, third place. Okay. Uh, so the Cardinals are in first place. All against the Cardinals are the hottest team in the league right now. They're 9-1 in their last 10 games. They've won five straight. 20-10, uh, best record in baseball. Paul Goldschmidt has been on fire. He was – I think he is right now the best addition from the offseason. I think everybody could agree with that. Um, and he's absolutely killing the ball right now. Cubs are right there, second place, three games back. Brewers are third place, four games back. Uh, it's still a tight division, like I said. We're only a month through. Um, but it is concerning. Uh, if you're a Brewers fan, though, Yelich is hurt. He's got a back, back injury. Back this weekend. Back uh, this weekend. I just think, I'm just going to say, this is my quote, quote of the quote of the week, baseball is a hot and cold sport. I'm going to leave it at that. Well, I think everybody knows that. No, I don't think people know that. I don't think you do because you think the Brewers are done. Well, you think Christian Yelts is going to win the MVP based I remember, off of I week. remember in July last year when you said the Brewers are done and they're not winning the division. I remember, no. though, this year when you said Christian Yelts is so the MVP. So if you want to say that in May this year, that's fine. It's just a couple months earlier, and I think it looked bad for you. And so, I mean, you can also take a look. You know, Christian Yelts has 14 home runs. I think like 13 of them are at home. Great. That's, that's awesome. awesome. I, just, I just thought that was an interesting stat. That's awesome. He's, I mean, a home, he's a home player. I mean, obviously, Miller Park is one of the easiest places to hit home runs. And when you hit all your home runs at home and then you act like you're some home run god, I mean, you're not because you're hitting it's him. It's tough for our pitchers, play. too, then, right? Why? Because it's a home run park. Yeah, but it's your home field. You're consistently playing there. You know where to go. You know how Every, it works. Everybody knows where to go on their home I field. Just, I just think it was interesting on why you're getting defensive Our pitchers have the same amount of trouble in our home park. Oh, yeah. Well, your pitching staff is also ass. So. All right. Well, yours is out for three months. Okay. Well, we have Cy Young. So. Uh, NL West will go here. I think one of the more boring divisions in baseball. Uh, Dodgers, they are in first place, 20-13. and 13. They also have a great record. Um, I think it's the second best in the league. The Diamondbacks are right there with the game back. So are the Padres, two games back. I think this will be the, how the division shakes out. Um, I think that the Dodgers will win this. Again, it's a hot, cold sport, like Sherman said. That's his quote. That's the quote of the week. Tweet it, too. All right. Uh, Dodgers, still, though, I think with the talent they have, they're going to win this division. That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, that. the Dodgers are just the Dodgers, but they will still choke eventually. 
All right, let's move now. That's through everything we wanted to talk about. But we got some segments I wanted to crack into. Again, so summer, feeling a little bit frisky. We have a little bit more time on our hands to come up with some segments. So segments are going to be coming at you hot and heavy this summer. So be prepared for that. A new segment we have is called An Athlete You Need to Be Aware Of. This is an athlete from any of the major sports that maybe not a lot of people know about. Uh, Truman didn't. We didn't know Truman's gonna be on the show today, so he doesn't have much research. But I, can, I got some. I got some guys for you. Well, I'm we're just we're just gonna do one guy. No, you do your guy. No, I got we're my gonna guy. do one guy that's not from I got any my of our guy. teams because I can say anybody on my team. I got my guy, Pat no. Connaughton. Okay, Pat Connaughton's a white Notre Dame from basketball the player. Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think he's just gonna come into form this series uh, for the Bucks. Uh, he's a good shooter, scrappy defender, good rebounder. Uh, I think he can guard anybody on the floor if he wants to. You know, Pat remember Kyneton, that Pat Connaughton can guard Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Okay. Remember that's, that that's name. Remember that name. I think he's really going to help the Bucks pull over and win this series. Pull over. That don't make sense. Um, all right. I want now. We'll get to the real stuff here. Oh wait, no. We have one more thing about baseball. I actually lost. CC Sabathia reached oh, yeah. three thousand strikeouts. Seventeenth player ever in MLB history. Uh, CC Sabathia has a place in both mine and Truman's heart. Play for the Indians. Play for the Brewers. So, you know, clap it up for him. That's my guy. That's uh, CC Sabathia. I think a lot of people love CC. Third hand, third left-handed pitcher to ever reach that 3,000 strikeout. So give him props there. Almost forgot about that. All right. Let's do Athlete You Should Know, the real story here. Jeff McNeil. You know Jeff McNeil, True? Nope. Jeff McNeil is the second baseman for the Mets. His nickname is The Squirrel. Jeff McNeil is he's a Bryant player. All right, I guarantee you Brian Leonard knows this guy. Yeah, all right? probably. Because he is, and I can, I'll read you his thing. He's batting 370 with four home runs right now. He's only struck out 11 times this season. That's insane. He is a, he's one of these players, old, old-timey old Brian Leonard type of player. That's insane. Very low strikeout rate, very high contact rate. He puts the ball into play. And you can. And you know what else he does, Trim? Hmm. He uses a knobless bat. There's no knobs on the end of his like bat. Jeff McNeil, that's an athlete you should know. Second baseman for the Mets. One of their young, up-and-coming prospects right now. Along with Brian's guy, uh, Alonzo, the polar bear there. So the squirrel and the polar bear, the Mets are kind of building themselves a zoo right now. Um, so Jeff McNeil, that's an athlete you should know. All right, let's do one more here. One more segment. We're bringing this back. We're dusting it off out of the woodwork. Crazy non-sports story of the week. Uh, this one comes, I think, from like Ukraine or something like that. I don't know. They found a whale in the uh, in the water. I guess that's where you would find a whale uh, with a harness strapped to its body. Basically, what they think is that the Russian Navy is doing some sort of science experiment with these whales. Um, don't really know what to think of this. All I did was type in crazy non-sports stories and this is the first thing that popped up and it kind of piqued my interest i'm not a big whale guy i don't like whales that much why uh, don't you like whales they kind of freak me out i'm not a big fan of whales all right but you just like this picture of me and brian i'm sorry but keep going okay but i mean i'm not a big whale guy like i said I, they kind of scare me um, i mean i could see that i mean they're kind of creepy they're like the biggest thing in the world you imagine like swimming in the ocean and the thing pops up i mean i'd rather swim next to a whale than a shark i don't know ah uh, maybe, I guess, a whale won't kill you. But whales look, they just look gross. Are yeah, they like, killers? Like, do they kill people? Don't the orca killer whale? Uh, probably. Do they kill people? I don't know. Oh, we can look it up. But, uh, what's your opinion on whales, Trim? 
Uh, I mean, I don't mind them. I don't think I'm ever going to come face to face with one, so I mean... Just like the way they... They live their life in the water, and I'm going to live mine outside of the water, and I don't think I'll ever have to deal with one, so I don't care. Um, But is this this the thing that people... They're swallowing straws, and people are freaking out about that? Uh, That's turtles, I think. Turtles, are Killer whales don't usually kill people. Okay. Sometimes. Every now and then they do. But, uh, yeah. uh, Yeah, I'm not a whale guy, though. I just thought this was sort of interesting. Cause it had, like, I guess, I don't know what Russia's doing with whales. I don't know why they got a harness strapped to a whale's body, but I guess, you know, hey, whales, you know, are interesting creatures, and I guess they could do something with them. So that's a crazy non-sports story of the week. Again, segments, they're coming hot and heavy. This summer is going to be a huge summer for us. We'll get to that at the end here. But that's it for our show. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Leave us five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us also on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 1-2. It's the summer now. We know a lot of you guys are coming home. Send us a DM if you want to be guests on the show or if you have questions, comments, concerns. It's the summer, like I said. We are expecting this to be one of the a way bigger summer than last year. Not only are we going to be having guests in and out, guys who haven't been on in a while, Got to get some hockey guys in here soon to help us talk about Bailey's hockey. back. Bailey's back, number one hockey expert in Medina, although Josh Gower and uh, uh, George. George, yeah, sorry if I forgot about that for a second. They are also talking like they're the number one experts in Medina, so maybe we'll get some beef going there. We're covering a basketball league this summer. going to have some interviews from that. This is going to be a huge summer, and on top of that, we're still at that nine-athlete interview. We want to get to ten. We're right there. Uh, we've had a couple athletes flake on us. That's, you know, nature of the game right there. But we're going to nail that down this summer, I can guarantee you, with that. So, Trim's going to be a fun summer. Definitely. Gonna be I'm excited for it. And, you know, I'm just, you know, obviously we're pretty jacked up as we both We're back in business. Exam this week. We're back, back in business. Sure. TNT Sports Talk is back. No more solo shows. No more cowherd. Uh, it's going to be us for the rest of it. And obviously going to be another, another guy. Uh, when we get them in here, um, and maybe hey, maybe we get some girls on. We've had one girl on that was you know, we have, we've had two girls on. One was Taylor, uh, and the other one we won't mention. But that's oh, it for our show today. We, we want to thank you, right. our sponsor. <laughs> that's where we end the show right there. Thank you to our sponsor. That was the worst show, by the way, too. But keep going and tune in on Tuesday, guys. Thanks. All right, go Packers.